This is Blurring the Lines with Adam Bell and Peter Nicolaitis, IT entrepreneurs. Adam and Peter take on the topics of technology, business, life, and the pursuit of happiness and blur them together in the 21st century. Episode 28, Ken Scott becomes a repeat offender on Blurring the Lines. We talk about how the government declares that they are keeping our voting information secure. We also discuss how mere mortals deal with technology issues. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon, or evening, or morning, or day, I don't know, wherever it is. Welcome to another fun-filled episode of Blurring the Lines. I am your host, Peter Nicolaitis. With me, as always, Adam Bell. Hey, Peter. And (laughs) with us, as sometimes is uh, Ken Scott, our uh, first repeat guest on the show. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. (laughs) Glad you could make it. Thank you much. So, uh, what's happening this week, guys? Well, I did want to record video outside today, but it didn't happen. Yeah, well, that's because it's in the mid-50s and rainy here in Massachusetts, so uh, I don't feel like going outside in that right now. Well, it's not 50s here, but uh, it was it's, it's drizzling and everything else, so it's finally turned fall. Yay. Yeah, it does feel like fall. I, uh, I posted that on Twitter uh, last week. I said, this, you know, feels like a fall day for the first time. I think we might have turned the corner. I don't know. We might still get another little Indian summer gasp here, but uh, I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. Well, and we'll have our one week of fall before it turns frigid cold. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> we get one week of spring and one week of fall, and that's it. Well, we used to say in um, in in Vermont, you know, we uh, we have summer, and uh, you know, we always enjoy summer here. Last year, summer was on a Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so cool. all right, do we have any uh, errata or follow-up from uh, from our last episode? Anything we need to cover before we dive right into our fun uh, topics? I don't think so. I think we got everything perfect, like nailed it. Well, all right then. <laughs> <laughs> not every day we can say that we did everything perfect, but yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> well, uh, I, I may be mistaken. <laughs> I, well, I, I don't hear anybody else on here judging us, so yeah. I, I'm going with perfect. I guess we're good. Yeah. All right, moving on. <laughs> I thought I made a mistake once, but that was mistaken. Yeah, <laughs> that is awesome. So I wanted to touch on a couple of things, and uh, I am updating our episode outline in uh, real time, as you can see, guys. So okay. The, the our listener doesn't know, and they don't care. But you know, in the interest <laughs> yeah. of full disclosure, I'm telling them things. So, um, yeah. So what we're saying is um, I was, for the last couple of days, at the National Security Conference uh, held at MIT, um, and it was, uh, it was pretty interesting. I went there primarily because of my interest and profession in uh, uh, information security, also colloquially known as uh, cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, but this delved into multiple topics, not just that, but also terrorism, uh, profiling uh, would-be terrorists, um, use of things like drones in, um, you know, possible use of drones in terrorist attacks, uh, and had some uh, pretty uh, interesting speakers, including 
uh, the uh, attorney general who was in charge of prosecuting um, or basically filing the suit uh, against Apple to get access to the iPhone 5 of the uh, San Bernardino shooters from last December, as well as uh, an advisor to President Obama and um, on on terrorism stuff. So some uh, pretty interesting speakers. Overall, it was it was very informative. I was a little dismayed at some of the talks because a lot of the stuff, particularly around information security, was elementary for me. Um, but whenever I go to some of these conferences, it's always a little bit eye opening. Not to see what I learn, but to find out what other people don't know and what I sort of take for granted. Uh, like, you know, what was, we had people, we had someone at one of the panelists had to explain to people what ransomware is and primarily in attendance, uh, of this was, uh, law enforcement and FBI, you know, so local and state police and FBI officials, I would hope by now they would all know what ransomware is, but, um, you know, they, they didn't. And so, uh, so some of the speakers had to take some time and explain what that was a little bit concerning. So, um, yeah, but a uh, couple of takeaways that I had was, um, the, was it, um, was it your shirt? Your shirt was one of those? No, no, no this shirt, this shirt was uh, given to me by, uh, Sophos. Yeah. So that was, <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, that was not, this was not one of those. Um, well, you got to tell everybody what your shirt says. <laughs> my shirt, well, why don't you tell me? You're the one who can see it. Yeah. I can read up and yeah. down. It's, well, it says, dance like no one's watching, encrypt like everyone is. <laughs> Bingo! <laughs> Essentially, you know, it's another fancy hacker way of saying, uh, you should assume that all of your communications are being monitored. So, <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. Um so another uh, thing, the uh, the keynote speaker on uh, day one was uh, Lisa Monaco. Uh, she is the assistant to the president of the United States for Homeland Security and Counterterrorism. And uh, it was an interesting talk, but uh, one of the things I took away that I found a little disturbing was people asked about threats to our nation's infrastructure and also electronic voting uh, machines, voting computers, which are big in the news these days with the, the vote that's coming up and the DNC hacks and, uh, you know, Trump asking if Russians want to hack Hillary's email and, you know, things like that. Um so she uh, assured us uh, that um, essentially that our voting system, the nation's voting system, is safe because it's not just in one central place. Essentially, she was saying it's safe because it's distributed among various states and counties around the country. And how do I put this gently? I totally disagree. Uh, I mean, just because something is distributed does not make it secure. Yeah. That is not a way, you know, you don't secure things by not managing it or not having it centrally managed. It just doesn't work that way. So, you know, I was a little dismayed by that. Um, and uh, another uh, one of the speakers was the um, uh, assistant attorney general who was, uh, I think I mentioned, who, who had filed the case against Apple 
to get them to provide a backdoor to unlock the uh, iPhone 5 of the San Bernardino shooters uh, from last December. And he at one point said, well, we're not asking for a backdoor to every phones, but if, if a company owns a phone or the government, a government department owns a phone, they should be able to get access to that phone that they own. And he was saying that he has, um, you know, confidence that that we we'll we could find a way, a technology, you know, technological <laughs> way to do this. Could you help and, our government, Peter? <laughs> uh, no, I can't. I can't help them with that. That's beyond the scope of my services. But what I what I can say was, um, if well, I take that back. I yeah, you could. I if if they had just enabled proper mobile device management of the uh, phone which they owned in the first place, they would have had access to all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was kind of disappointing, um, you know. And but but I didn't, being that I was surrounded by law enforcement folks, I didn't expect that my opinion would have been all that sympathetically received. So I decided to just kind of shake my head a little bit and not say anything. <laughs> Well, so, you, yeah. You know, it is it is funny. Well, Ken and I were talking about encryption a long time ago. Um, how, you know, I've got a safe. And that safe can be picked or hacked or, cut. you know, they can cut it open. You know, they can get into it. No matter what I put in the safe, it can be extracted. With the proper encryption, it can be never be able to be broken you know mm-hmm. and i say never meaning not in a practical lifetime right uh, of you know in computer given, power and given our current technology yes yeah and that could that could change you know with the advent of quantum computing who knows you know mm-hmm. if you're able to do yeah you know, like an infinite number of calculations simultaneously you will be able to break things like that so yeah. but but it is we're not there yet yeah, I mean, it is a, you know, so if somebody had something ille- illegal and it was encrypted, the, there's no way law enforcement could ever get in that. I mean, that's that's just kind yeah. of a reality. I mean, yep. we can't get to Mars either. <laughs> you know? Well, we've, we've, sent, we've sent robots there, though. Yeah. <laughs> but you and I can't get there in a practical time, you know? <laughs> No, you and I, no. But you yeah. know, if we were, if we were interested in sending folks in their like early twenties, and you know, they don't mind sleeping for a few years, and <laughs> yeah. who knows? Yeah. So uh, I mean, I mean yeah. it is a valid concern, but I don't agree with there should be a backdoor. <laughs> yep. Yep. Do you do you ever watch Twenty Four, or did you ever watch Twenty Four? I watched the first, maybe the first two seasons. There was one of the episodes, and they were just throwing around techno garble, you know, like, well, it's impossible to break that encryption. He said, oh, well, I know the uh, I know the guy who wrote the Blowfish encryption, and he, he wrote in the back door, and I know what it is. <laughs> I don't think that Bruce Schneier wrote a back door to Blowfish. Yeah. I, I could ask him. He's, he's right over in Cambridge. <laughs> But I was like, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> but it was amusing. All right. Sorry. I digress. No, not a problem. Yeah. Anyway, so those those are my takeaways from there. Other than uh, things like, um, uh, we, I saw a good article, or sorry, I attended a talk on drones. 
mm-hmm. and uh, how there's a concern about drones and what the FAA is doing to regulate them now. And uh, that's all well and good. You know, like drones up to 55 pounds are like your hobbyist drones and stuff. And uh, it's great that they need to be registered and regulated. But, of course, that's not going to stop some terrorist from loading up a 55-pound drone and flying it into some place laden with explosives. I was like, that's great. But, but that was illegal. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, 0.55 pounds. No, this is 55 pounds. We're talking five five big. There's there's a category. He he went over that several times. 0.55 pounds is like a little handheld unit. We're talking about things that can actually carry stuff. I know, but you have to register it if it's. Oh point- yeah yeah yeah, okay. yeah yes, but but up to 55 pounds is a cutoff. Okay. At 50, if he goes over 55 pounds, now we're talking like this is, like I forget what the the classification is, but that's like serious you know like industrial grade drone versus okay. these little little anything under that you know five pound ten pounds or whatnot that's your your hobbyist type drone that's your oh shnikey size yes exactly. <laughs> so, and of course they showed pictures you know video of the guy who successfully mounted a firearm to a drone and you know they're saying how it's not all that accurate but if you're just targeting a crowd of people it doesn't have to be and so it was it was interesting um, nothing super eye-opening there, uh, other than it was it was good to know that at least you know law enforcement are aware of these sort of issues. Um, you know what's going to be done about them to actually keep us safe. I'm not sure, but you know we'll we'll find out. I guess time will tell. I've so got that's a all I had about that. Oh, look at that! And Adam has a drone. <laughs> yeah, a little quadcopter right there. <laughs> How much does that thing weigh? Oh, it, it's ounces. I mean, it's nowhere near a pound. But it's got a little yep. camera on the bottom of it, and uh, it's pretty cool. You know, you don't get much flight time out of it. Maybe 10 solid minutes, 10 mm-hmm. or 15 conservative minutes. Yep. But but it is pretty cool. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, w- I would like a better one. But yeah. Yeah, <laughs> nifty. What, 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 what make and model is that? Uh, this is an early one. Uh, it is a... U UDI RC HD quadcopter. They make a better one now that you can control with your iPhone. Well, yes. I like the video, being able to watch the video because I think that's cool. That's fun, you know. Being a amateur photographer, I like all that video stuff. Awesome. I'm like, I'd like to get one I could put my GoPro in. <laughs> <laughs> The, well, you can. I mean, GoPro don't, GoPro themselves sells drones now, don't they? You, you buy, yeah. So you don't need to put one in it. Just buy one that is a a uh, <laughs> a, a, a drone right there. Mm-hmm. So. So. Okay. Cool. And I think all, right. all of the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, all of the DJI models, their uh, their gimbals support the the uh, GoPros. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really slick. They're they're expensive. They're a thirteen hundred dollar one. The one that you right. saw was a ninety dollar one. <laughs> Makes a yeah, big that's difference. A, that's, that's a. I was gonna say the affordability <laughs> there. Uh, there's a big difference there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but I wonder mm. if I could put you know ten of those together and <laughs> lift something big. <laughs> well, you. I don't know if you could, but um, I will dig up. There is a great. Um, 
uh, TED Talk about a uh, guy. I don't remember if it was um, Caltech. Uh, I forget which uh, place that it, but uh, they're working uh, using the same sort of, uh, the inspiration was either, you know, like birds or insects, how they flock and swarm together to work on the same task. And um, using this little uh, algorithm that they uh, came up with, they're able to control many little micro quadcopter drones yeah. to work in harmony and uh, do some really cool things. That's definitely a, uh, a link to add into the show notes if we can find that. Um, but I'll definitely bring that up and stuff. But that's really cool. If you're at all interested in drones, it's worth a watch. You know, it was like a 10-minute video. But um, they had them, you know, like moving things and uh, like assembling blocks, like putting building blocks together and mm -hmm. flying, literally jumping through hoops. And then at the end, they played music. So it's pretty slick. I actually did see that one. That was really cool. I don't rem remember who sent it to me. But, yeah. Yep. But cool. So... Yeah, all right. What else we got? All right. So we have, well, we talked about the iPhones, but we've got, uh, we did talk about, or we did want to talk about uh, how to mortals cope with tech hassles. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, had a, I, I did have a mortal call me this week looking for tech support. <laughs> And he was from he's from Cross Plains, which is uh, almost almost to Kentucky. They pipe in the sunshine up there, uh, but but he wanted he wanted to get his computer wiped and reloaded. Wanted to know if I'd do that. I told him sorry, I, we don't do that because you know we do that, but we do that for businesses. We don't do that for individuals. And he said, do you have any idea where I could take it? And you know, I just like oh. You could take it to Geek Squad, <laughs> you know. I said with <laughs> with pain, and I was like, I was like, well, you could take it to Geek Squad. You could actually take it to Staples. I mean, they'll smash it and say that was easy. And <laughs> I was say, you're really dragging down down the bottom of the barrel here. Yeah. Well, uh. there's there's actually not a lot of like little places. There are some, but there's not a half a lot of shops around here uh, that would do that. Uh, but he's, I told him, I said, well, do you have data on there that you care about? And he said, no, I don't care about anything on it. I said, oh, absolutely. Oh, then take it to fine. Staples. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Fine. He's> so, <laughs> so why are we, we, we should probably explain why we we have, why we're talking like this. I mean, like what, what is wrong? What's, what's wrong with using someone like Geek Squad or Staples? Well, for me, at least everybody that I know that has taken it there, uh, they have gotten their computer fixed, but all they really did was wipe it and reload it, and then they didn't save their data. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. the, it's the, the, their mantra. I heard uh, one of my uh, one of my security course teachers was singing. It's like, F disk format reinstall. Do da. <laughs> Again, if you're not, uh, you know, not not so techy, essentially, what that means is they just wipe and reinstall Windows on your computer, and that's great. You don't get all of your stuff back, and and by default, when you like hand over your computer, you sign a little permission to work on your system, and there's usually a checkbox on there, or you know, some kind of thing where you're acknowledging that you have all of your data backed up, and they're not responsible for wiping that out. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 
So that, Meaning they're make, going to make no effort to do so. Not even close. Why not would even, they? Not even going to try. <laughs> nope. It's not, not worth our time. But it's easier just to wipe the thing. That guy, he said, he said, well, I've got my, he said, I've got my email, and I can just, um, I can just log in and get my email downloaded again. I'm like, well, that's that's a really good reason to have cloud email and mm-hmm. Go- Google Apps, Office 365. You don't care yep. about the computer. Just it's, go back again yeah. and yep. log it your back stuff in. Is held, held, your stuff is held somewhere else, and it really is someone else's responsibility to back all that stuff up. Now, that said, if you don't trust their backups, which, you know, depending on who you're using, may be a solid uh, um strategy as well is you can get services that'll back that up as well just to make sure but sure cloud definitely easier uh, for for mere mortals so. yeah. <laughs> but yeah we were dealing with things like uh, that was we started we're this is actually take two of this episode because we started last week and we got off to such a late start because we were having trouble with skype and uh, the problem was at various times we were using three different versions of skype uh, I was on the new Skype Preview, which is the new fancy Windows 10 version. Uh, Adam, you were on the traditional old-school version of Skype, and mm-hmm. Ken was on the web version. And Actually, this... last week I was on the Linux Alpha. Oh, the Linux Alpha version. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. So despite the fact that, in theory, all three of these platforms are using the same protocols to connect and talk to the same service from the same provider, they didn't want to talk to each other. Like, uh, you could talk to one of us, but not both of us at the same time. And I ended up having to go to uh, Skype's website and downloading the new, uh, well, the, the old version so that uh, I was on the same, you know, old version that Adam was on. And then we were able to talk again. So, uh, but but I can't, yeah, Ken, you were getting a message saying that I was on a version that was too old, right? Right. That's exactly yeah. what it said. And when, in fact, the exact opposite was the truth, it was too new. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. So, um, well, yeah, I, originally when I saw that message, I thought because technically the Linux version is listed as alpha, mm-hmm. that maybe somehow because it's not even the beta stage yet, that I was w- way too far ahead. Right. But mine but, was a preview. So where does that fall? Is that I, a gamma? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, I don't know if that's an alpha, a beta, a gamma or what that is. <laughs> it, it wraps back around. It wraps back around to Omega. Oh, okay. (laughs) So, so the question we're posing, and I would love if any listener has any feedback on this, if they would contact us, how do you cope with technology woes? I mean, because we find stuff and, and, you know, I less right now in my current role, but frequently when I was doing mainly system administration or, or, uh, you know, just playing with my own tech, I would find problems that would just drive me nuts and i can't imagine how ordinary people you know non-technical people without any sort of tech expertise how do they put up with this stuff and you know that uh, that's my question is like how how do you guys how do you how do you regular non-techie people out there cope with technology problems um, you know, I know from a lot of clients that I've taken uh, taken on, they just expect that you know this is the way. Technology is it's flawed and it's it's never going to work right. You know, and others just like oh, I have no idea. They just don't pay any attention and they just uh, you know they call somebody. 
and uh, they prefer to remain ignorant to not just how the the stuff works, but also like to the problems and how it gets fixed. But um, I would I'd be curious to hear uh, what uh, our listeners have to say. But uh, what do you I guys think, feel? Um, I I think that that problem is what gave rise to the popularity of the original iPhone. Because if mm-hmm. if people remember correctly, the original iPhone did not have installable apps apple's original design was everything was going to be a web-based app yep so the the original iphone i mean it's 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 grown way past what its original design was but that original design was so simplistic you know you didn't have folders you didn't have uh cut and paste you didn't have background uh, apps you didn't you didn't have installable apps mm-hmm. um so i think that's what attracted people to that design was it was so simplistic that and intuitive. I don't want to down. I don't want to downplay that. But it was so simplistic and intuitive that it almost couldn't break because there just wasn't enough moving parts there to to cause a problem. Mm-hmm. And we've since obviously gotten past that. Now all smartphones are 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 basically the same level of computing as you know your average you know uh, Chromebook or whatever, um, and they have equal complexity. Right. Well, and so, you know, if if people just want to use things too, uh, if they don't try to customize and they don't try to get the device to do something that it was never intended to do, or you know, slightly out of scope, then it's it just goes. You know, it does just go. And that's one of the things that I try to do if I don't have time to learn how to customize something, just use it as it goes. And I can usually get by. And I imagine operate that, within the defaults. Yeah, kind of thing. operate yep. within the defaults. You know, I mean, I tr- I still try to do. You know, of course, I'm an IT guy, but like my Mac over there, it runs well as long as I run Apple stuff on it. When I start introducing, you know, VMware so that I can run extra things, and when I start adding Microsoft Office. I all of a sudden get the donut of death, and I'm like, (laughs) 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 but if I just run the native apps and the web apps and the you know everything that's built in, I I live longer. (laughs) Yeah, I I remember back when I would get a new computer or I would have to go through um, you know rebuilding and reinstalling my operating system. Um, I remember it used to take me like a couple of days to get my system back to where it was functional and I could do all of my work. And nowadays it's usually, you know, maybe a couple hours tops. Yeah. Uh, because I try to stay, I, I used to tweak things and customize things, you know, all like you wouldn't believe. And then I finally just got to a point where I'm like, all right, I'm going to just try to use this as best I can out of the box and install only the apps that I absolutely need and uh, we'll go like that. And it, it makes me, you know, I'm up to, I'm able to get up to speed a lot faster. You know, I install just the essential apps that I need. I don't, anything that I can do via the web, I do via the web for starters. So I don't install Microsoft Office right off the bat. I use the web version. I don't install any email clients or anything. I just use webmail for right now. And um, as I absolutely need a tool that I can't do anything else or I couldn't do much more effectively without installing it, that's when I install stuff. 
and uh, just you know helps me get up to speed faster and also keeps my machine leaner and meaner and running faster. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's what I've done as well. I try not, because I was doing the same thing. I'd customize a system so much for me that by the time I had, to, if I had to go to another computer, it drove me nuts because I was like, this isn't look right and this isn't supposed to, yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I remember uh, I was my first employee. I remember he was playing with the, um, the we, we got him uh, one of those, uh, a big, NEC monitors back in the day, you know, big fat giant. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he was playing with it. I watched him for an hour as he was just fiddling with the settings on the monitor, just trying to get this perfect and trying to get that perfect. I was like, dude, stop! Seriously, just just get to work. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I couldn't stand it. I was like, well, you're just wasting so much time. And if you like shift your gaze to the left by six inches, you're gonna have to redo it all. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, that reminds me, Ken. I got I had one of those uh, J.C. Bradford twenty-three inch uh, NECs back in the day yeah, they, pounds. yeah the crt and yeah. uh i mean it, it took up all of my desk i mean i only had room for my keyboard at the end of my desk and you <laughs> degauss that thing and the uh -huh. <laughs> the lights dimmed <laughs> uh, yep and you started losing hair not long after that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but it was great for playing uh games <laughs> <laughs> Again today, brownouts have been reported in the greater Nashville area. No cause has been determined. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, well, I, I also wrote. So we were talking about the, uh, the 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 mortals dealing with tech tech hassles. Chromebook is a real good answer for that. Oh, absolutely. It, yep. More simple. Um, yeah, it definitely simplifies things. I. Um, I, I think my father's next computer, if he gets another one, you know, after his, his current Windows desktop is no longer sufficient, I'll probably give him something like that. Or even just, like, throw Chrome OS onto uh, my mom's old HP notebook. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, here you go, Dad. This is all you need. So, But well, he's, I, yeah. he's old school, again, that he feels like he still needs to print things and scan documents and things. And I was like, you, you really don't need to print so much stuff. Yeah. I think I mentioned on a previous episode that uh, my wife and my daughter both are completely on the Chromebook train. Mm -hmm. um, and, my, and my daughter, I don't think, could function in a traditional computing environment. She's so uh, web-centric in everything that she does mm -hmm. um, that I, I, you know, having having a traditional mail client would seem abnormal to her, or having a traditional office installation would seem abnormal to her. Right. Yeah, because um, she doesn't. It, we we mentioned that whole backing up your data. You know, she does all of her school papers, all of her presentations, all that kind of stuff in Google Apps, mm -hmm. um, and she's never once thought about backing up data and hasn't had to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, because fortunately, because Google tends to take a you know take a pretty good approach to these things. But I also know people who had all of their email on their Comcast.net accounts. Right. or charter accounts. And I think it's safe to say, I don't know if, if either of you disagrees, feel free to chime in, but uh, I would say that they don't take that all that seriously. I don't know, maybe no. it got better, 
But, um, you know, when it comes to email handling, I have repeatedly, it hasn't happened recently, but I have repeatedly had cases where Comcast emails that were sent through Comcast server were received weeks and in one case, three months after it was sent. (laughs) So I would say it's probably safe to say that at least at that time, they didn't know what they were doing with email. No, uh, you know, but, but emails would, would go and they're like, oh, we're really sorry. Uh, like, hey, geez, that's, that's really sad because people don't think about this. They don't think about having to you know, keep their stuff. They're just like, oh, Comcast takes care of that for me. Oh, they took care of it all, right? <laughs> yes. Well, technically, they did deliver the email. Yeah. <laughs> and, and in well, fact, I would say their delivery rate is probably better than the post office. Uh, you know, that, that's funny. I uh, recently changed my mailing address, and um, I've, uh, I've I've changed it. Our uh, all of our mail now. We're, I used to have it going to my Vermont office, and now I'm having it all sent down to our Boston office. And uh, I just received mail today that was sent on September 16th. <laughs> Two weeks. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I got to tell you the story about the U- USPS today, or from yesterday. It's not. I, I don't want to. They're very helpful in the business side of shipping my bulk mail. So let me just preface with that. Overall, I don't dislike the USPS, but <laughs> we. But <laughs> but so my CRM. I am every month. I export. Uh, 600 contacts out of my CRM and then I put my clients in them in the list and then I upload that list to the USPS small business tool for bulk mailing and uh, it, it saves me a ton of money in postage yeah. and, it, mm-hmm. and it labels you know it sorts it all and then I sort it for them and they get it in this nice package you know bound up ready to go run through their machines it's it's a good deal for both of us. Well, they've got a tool there. I upload my file, and then it reports back to me and says, hey, I don't agree with this address. Let's adjust it, or we'll use yours. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's all happening in the GUI. And I was like, okay, cool. So I'll go through, and I have, like, 40 addresses. Then, I mean, if you look at them, you're like, I really can't tell the difference between what they want and what, I put in there, you know, like instead of being a suite being capital STE, it's now lowercase STE. I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, I mean, I just, I essentially go through, select them all, agree, select them all, agree, select them all, agree. 44 of those. And then there's 50. So there's like 90 that, that, that they don't like, but it's all just little bitty stuff. Well, I get a call from the, the lady who runs it. Uh, runs the, you know, she's in the Nashville headquarters, and she says, well, you are still, because she called me the month before, told me I was doing bad addresses. And I thought, okay, well, I'll double check and make sure that I correct the addresses and select. I thought maybe I selected them wrong. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, shame on me. I'll take care of it. So this time I made sure that I selected them all right. She called me again. She said, you're still uploading bad addresses. You're going to have to up- upgrade your list. And I said, why do I have to upgrade my list? The GUI is fixing it for me every time. You know, it it tells me what's wrong. And she said, well, we're not going to do that for you forever. We're going to start charging you for that. 
For what? I mean, you tell for me. A computer <laughs> doing something? Yeah, yeah. You don't. It it, it auto corrects what I did wrong. And it, I mean, how is that a chargeable thing? I mean, why? Well, because we're keeping up with the the addresses that are different, and we're forwarding them. You know, we're putting their forwarding address in, and we can't do that forever. We'll have to stop. I'm like, oh, I understand on the forwarding address. You know, like if somebody moved, you know, you should just tell me, sorry, that address is expired. You're gonna have to figure it out, buddy. You know, if it's right. if it's truly expired, you know, but. I'm like, these are like little bitty things. She said, well, you need to update your list. And I said, well, I can't update my list until I run my next batch <laughs> so that I can copy the list of what you say is wrong and upload it. She didn't call me back. Uh, <laughs> she didn't want to talk to I'm me shocked. anymore about that. <laughs> but I was like, I, I'm actually shocked that a human being called you, period. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, the... I actually get to talk to the same... I've been talking to the same woman in the bulk mail service every time I call. And I can call her direct number. It's it's like... She's probably the only one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's a computer program, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, on that note, since we're talking about the, the post office, I, I mentioned that I had moved my... Um, you know, my mail, I filled, filled out the change of address forms online. And I also decided that, you know, since I was doing it, since I would occasionally receive personal mail addressed to me in my Vermont, uh, you know, the Vermont address, the P.O. box, I decided I would also uh, file a personal change of address as well. So I did one for the business, one for Paradigm, and one for myself. And... Several days ago, I received confirmation from the uh, post office saying that, you know, okay, here's your, you know, we've gotten your form. And only two days after I had requested they start forwarding mail, did I start receiving mail. Now, here's the thing I also got mail two weeks later that was sent on the same date. So <laughs> they're obviously not doing a great job keeping everything in sync, but here's the best part. Today I checked the mail, and uh, the first time I got one of those change of address confirmation letters, it was from you know it was addressed to Paradigm Consulting, and you know it's like 244 Main Street, Suite One here, and uh, great, that's all good. Now I also got one, and it was Nicolaitis, N I C K O L A I D I S, <laughs> at the same address. No, no, Peter. And, you know, it's just, just a, an improperly spelled given name. Okay, I did not write it like that. I know I did not. So, obviously, a human has gotten involved and changed this and has to, like, transcribe this form. Why? You know, what, what's the point? Why am I filling out something if some moron can, you know, just has to spell it again wrong? But th here's the best part. You can't change it. You can go online and verify. You can change the address. You can change your old address. You can change your new address. But you cannot change any of the names that appear. <laughs> I'm like, well, obviously the name is irrelevant. Who knows? You know, I, I don't care. Anything that's going to show up to the new box is going to show up in, in my mailbox. So I don't, I don't really care. But it, just, it made me just wonder again, why 
why does a human go in and, and transcribe this? You know, why does anyone have to get involved? Because that's obviously what happens, because a computer is not going to change Peter Nicolaitis to just Nicolaitis spelled wrong. It doesn't work <laughs> yeah. like that. I know people, I know a lot of people probably think that it works like that, but it doesn't. <laughs> it does for you and Santa Claus. Yeah. Oh, well, for Santa Claus, that's... Maybe, maybe they <laughs> thought it was wrong, and your name was actually Nick... Olitis. Yeah. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah, but he's he's Irish, case, not Greek. If that was the case, you would have expected the, uh, the apostrophe to be there, you know? But, uh. Well, no, because their their electronic systems don't support ad, abnormal characters, so... Oh. Yeah, the Oracle database kicked that apostrophe out. <laughs> That's right, the apostrophe is a reserved character. With all the dogging of the USPS, it's my my wife constantly gripes about how they screw stuff up, and I have to remind her that you have to remember this is a service that for forty eight cents or whatever the current rate is, you take something out to the end of your driveway, a man comes by and takes it anywhere in the country you want to for that forty eight cents yes. to Montana. Yeah, yeah, we're the, we're kind of getting what we pay for. The value, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, pretty much the value that you're getting for those forty eight cents is impressive i will i will say that well one of my favorite services and i use it a lot is hold mail i mean so whenever i travel you know i like to hold the mail you know because as long as you're gone for three days you can hold the mail so if i'm going over the weekend i'll hold the mail on friday that way i don't get something sitting in my mailbox over weekend during the rain or whatever well the drawback of the hold mail form is I can go on this form and fill out Peter Nicolaitis or Nick Olitis and put in your street address and an email and I can hold your mail for you. Oh, that's nice of you. <laughs> oh, Lord. That's, that's so kind of you to hold my mail for me. <laughs> there's, there's nothing. There's no verification. There's no, they don't call. They don't confirm that your IP address matches your mail, you know, your physical mailing address or anything like that. <laughs> but oh, I, I love that service. <laughs> Cause, and, and to think this is the same organization that handles your tax returns, your, <laughs> you know, your, your bills that get paid, yada, yada, yada. I think that's yeah. an awesome denial of service attack right there. Well, <laughs> oh, you yeah, know, absolutely. one of my clients, somebody used it. So he... Somebody went to his bank and requested change forms of some kind. It was something, I don't even remember the details of it, but they utilized this system because he wasn't, he didn't get the email or the, the letter in the mail that said something had been compromised because his mail had been put on hold. So they, hmm. they attacked him, put his stuff on hold, and he wasn't getting the mail on it and wasn't, you know, and they were able to keep doing, it was identity, identity theft. They were they were using it for identity theft on him. That's awesome. <laughs> That's what they did. They they pretended they were him, got the mail out of his mailbox, like set it up and stalked his house, found out where he was, not there, and then got the confirmation mail from wherever it, the bank or whatever they needed, took it, and then put everything on hold after that. So then mm -hmm. that he wasn't getting the bank statements of them running around with his credit card. But you know what's amazing is that 
the U.S. mail is considered a secure transfer media. <laughs> I, I think that's hilarious, you know. And the other thing I like too is that um, in the you know, as far as the Internal Revenue Service is concerned, as long as they send you a notification, it is considered received. Oh, nice. Yes. I love how that. Like, oh, we sent you a letter. I'm like, yeah, I I didn't get it. That doesn't matter. Well, excuse me. <laughs> Is but but the but the but the 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 inverse of that doesn't count. No, oh, I oh, sent no. you my I sent you my tax returns. No, we didn't. didn't get it, so you're going to prison. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't understand. Like at the post office here in Hendersonville, it says that the USPS does not receive government money. I don't understand that. How can they say that? Yeah, I the whole I'm not clear as to yeah i've i've wondered something like that myself many times i i don't i don't have a good answer to that if any of our listeners <laughs> can explain <laughs> to us exactly how the uh the postal service is or is not a government agency we'd, we'd like to hear that <laughs> yeah. need some care you know clarification yeah well, clarification would be nice we'll look at it on the internet if it's on the internet it's got to be true yeah, obviously. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. I, yeah. I I could go and dig and 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 just rag on the uh, post office for a long, long time, but uh, we we should we should move on. We Do we have uh, another on, topic? Onwards and upwards. Well, um, I don't think we have another topic, but we had some nifties. Nifty. Well, those are topics. Yeah. So <laughs> we are ready for the topic of nifty things, it wise or other. The nifty topics. Nifty All topics. Right. What sort of nifty topics do we have lined up today? Well, uh, you had listed ShareMouse and Synergy. Yes, I did. And, and I uh, yeah, had to look you. that up. And I oh. and I listed Kano, but I had to look Kano. it up. Mm-hmm. Kano. Okay, well, let's. I'm going to jump to yours first because I remember Kano. He was one of the evil characters in Mortal Kombat. now you'll have to explain to me what's so nifty about this guy (laughs) some some leftover from the what the 90s uh you know from a 90s video game and a really 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 bad series of movies after that oh i like i like the first movie the first one was great it was action the whole time you there was no <laughs> There was no cussing. I mean, I mean it's it's perfect. Okay, well there's that. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you could take your kids to it. <laughs> Other than okay, violence. Okay. Anyway, so anyway. Except so. for the guy getting his spawn ripped out. No no no, that's yeah, finish well, finish that. him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ripping his spine out through his mouth. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Definitely kid uh. kid material. Okay, okay. So the Kano, I actually bought one. Uh, I bought one for my uh, for my youngest daughter, so it's uh, Kano.me, and what it is is it's a they they're growing their product. Uh, they're actually back on Kickstarter, uh, but it's a computer. It's a Raspberry Pi, and so they build. Uh, it's really it's based on kids. I mean, it's built around the the kid and kid friendly. It's got a nice easy uh, instruction manual. It you take the Raspberry Pi, you pull it out, you you hook up the speakers, the LEDs, the the keyboard, and you put it in a nice little plastic case, and then they fire it up, and 
it, it's really cool. It's got uh, it's obviously Linux based. That's a little bit. It's a flavor of theirs that they've customized, but. It teaches how to program, like basic programming and programming concepts. Uh, and they actually let them build in Minecraft, which is pretty fun. Uh, so they, they learn how to build the objects and how to create them and how to build programs by actually doing things in Minecraft, like creating a program, creating circuits and things like that. So it's, it's really cool. Um, I, I wish my daughter did more along the lines of programming, but she was doing, uh, and it so it, it taught like Unix commands. So like they'd make this story up about go into this room and press li to view the sign, you know. So it lists, you know, it was a, it was a mud, kind of like a mud, not a mud because it wasn't multi-user, but a single user. Um, just step by step things. So it's really cool. I mean, it's and it's really based around kids and learning, and they're inexpensive. I think I bought hers for hundred, maybe two, maybe it was two hundred dollars. I don't remember the price, but it's really they've got a bunch. So right now they're doing, they've got three new kits, and I don't I don't understand how they're doing Kickstarter, but uh, doing a digital camera. Uh, making speakers, uh, it's really cool, especially you know for people learning how to. Every once in a while, you're like, "Hey, that's a digital camera. That's how a digital camera works. That's really cool, you know." <laughs> so it's not a bad, it's not bad. I like it. You, I, uh, I've I've played around with it a little bit myself and remind myself how to program, which Ken Ken taught me how to program. <laughs> and by Todd, I mean I pushed him off in the deep end of the pool. What did he teach you to program in? Uh, well, I was really interested. I mean, I kind of directed what I wanted to learn, and that was uh, web, web-based development, so PHP. Okay. But I had to learn some other things before I could go straight to PHP. Mm-hmm. The, so the the ticket system that he had was an open source system when he first started, and, and it was PHP-based, and he, he wanted to do some customization, so yep. that, that helped kind of push that along. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, and actually at Avondale, he helped me write the uh, an inventory system there, which could have been, it was easily handled in a spreadsheet, but I wanted to learn how to do it in the PHP. Well, and, cool. and typically, if somebody's getting into programming, replacing something that they use something else for is a good uh, a good exercise because they have a, a concrete model that they can base what they're programming off of because mm-hmm. um, a, a lot of times if you if you go through courses online they'll have you do little tasks you know like oh you know do a hello world or do a you know some kind of loop that you know that uh, repeats a phrase or something like that. None of that's really practical, but being able to, you know, oh, I have I have this inventory I have to keep up with, and I keep up with it in a spreadsheet. I want to do, you know, a web form that lets me, you know, enter that information and, and search that information and display that information. Then then that ties back into something they're actually doing. So, yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's a good way to teach. Yep. No, and it's definitely... Um 
if you have a project like that and and it's something that you're familiar with, it's really great because you are best qualified to tell whether or not it's working. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I can't uh, I can't print my uh, monthly bills this month. Well, you 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 better get on and fix that. <laughs> 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 so, uh, but yeah, I mean, at least you'll know. I mean, that that's one thing. And yeah, you know, I don't do much of it anymore. Uh, but I used to do, uh, you know, a fair amount of uh, web development and some software application development. And I don't remember how many times we would run, you know, programs or websites or whatever by the clients, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that looks great. It's fine." And then weeks <laughs> later, we get bug reports saying, "Oh, this isn't working." Well, like, but. But you told us three weeks ago everything was fine, you know. So <laughs> does, that, does that sound familiar, Adam? It's yeah. it's it's too soon, Ken. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> this was early. You know, we didn't have a mature software development process at the time. It was like you know, no, not a real formalized thing. It was just like you know, ask the client. Did they say it's good? It's good. Move on. You know, ship oh, it. Yeah. Oh, we. we yeah, Adam and I had a client that we developed some software for that was, well, first of all, it was a situation where there were a bunch of cooks and that was about it in the kitchen. Mm. And it was a, it was a nightmare. It yeah. was an absolute nightmare. So this was a, a restaurant management software? I wish. Yeah. That would be way more interesting than what it actually was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, every, every, the, the, what you described was it exactly. We'd say, this is it. Let's go through it. Oh, wow. This is beautiful. Wonderful. Wonderful. Good. Eight weeks later. Well, I just got into that and it doesn't do that what i wanted it to do like what well, and we <laughs> laid out we laid out a specific plan here were the steps we were going to do because i mean there was some data migration stuff we had to do there was obviously ui there was a whole bunch of stuff and everybody got assigned a piece and we would we would step through that that piece and and reach a milestone and we would get sign off on that milestone then we'd move on do that same process, go to the next milestone, get sign off on that milestone. At no point during any of those milestones was there a, a wait, this this isn't the way it should be. <laughs> yeah. It was it was literally after we delivered the product that they <laughs> then went back and said, Oh yeah, that first thing that we did eight months ago, yeah, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Oopsie. Yeah. Oops, okay, oops. Yeah. <laughs> so I still haven't forgiven Adam for bringing me in. <laughs> but, you know, they paid. They, they. Oh, yeah. And that's, that was the strange thing is they never even, they never even tried to, to fight us on the payment. <laughs> they were perfectly okay with paying for a product that they couldn't use. <laughs> I, I guess there are worse. I, I wouldn't say there. I guess. I mean, there are definitely worse types of clients to have, gentlemen. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but we wanted to provide something good, and yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, and no, this, this in this particular instance, this company was very much technologically in the Stone Age. Yeah. So this this product was bringing them light years ahead of what they were currently doing, mm -hmm. and. I, for whatever reason, they just I, – I personally think it wasn't that the product we delivered couldn't do what they needed it to do. It was that 
they were comfortable doing it the way they did it before and they were uncomfortable doing it the new way. Yeah. I think that's what it boiled down to. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of that though. I mean, I, I see a lot of resistance to change, uh, especially we would put in new systems. I remember I had a client who just wanted to use outlook. He just, he had it in his (laughs) mind that this is how he wanted it to work. And no matter how many times I would tell him, I understand, but it just doesn't work like that. He just wouldn't accept it. You know, he had just had this really convoluted workflow that he had come up with. And no matter, you know, despite my best efforts, I could not get him to change his mind. You know, he insisted on trying to get it to do this and weird ways to share calendars and, you know, stuff that are and sharing email boxes and stuff. And I'm like, I understand what you're trying to do. This product doesn't do that. <laughs> and I uh, just just couldn't couldn't get him to uh, to accept that. And years later, he was still trying to make it do that. I'm like, hey, dude, more power to you. You know, if you can get it to actually do that, uh, that that's great. I just I don't I don't think it's gonna work. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like the guy I've seen like make paint Microsoft Paint do programming because of pixels stuff. Like, yeah, you did it. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, okay. Listen, if you are a super skilled, you know, programmer, hacker, hobbyist thing, and you want to do that, that's great. If you're one of these mere mortals who we wonder how you manage to like deal when you're with a printer jam, you shouldn't be undergo undertaking those types of tasks. <laughs> well, or at least not asking me for help if you're going to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not going to help you with that. Yeah. So. So, so back to uh, we we were talking about nifties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we were talking about Kano, mm-hmm. and uh, I did include um, I did include in my uh, in the show notes uh, links to Kano, mm-hmm. so uh, so people will know exactly um, you know who he is in Mortal Kombat. Oh, okay. Where? Uh, okay, cool. Where's that? Yep, yep. Oh, there he yep. is. Okay, under he. Got it. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so I, got, I put that in there. Now, back to my Nifty. Mm-hmm. Um, I included two because they're really uh, they're competing products. Um, one of them is called ShareMouse, and the other is called Synergy. And Synergy was the one that I had used before uh, getting totally frustrated with it and moving to ShareMouse. <laughs> <laughs> um, what these are, are they're both uh, keyboard and mouse sharing utilities. Now, you can sort of think of them as um, they're like uh, if you've ever had two computers on your desk and you've had what's called a KVM switch, a keyboard video mouse switch, uh, what happens is, for instance, you'll be sitting here and you have your keyboard and your mouse and a monitor, you know, a display of some sort connected to this box. And this box is now connected to one or more different computers. So for instance, if you had a PC on your desk and a Mac on your desk, this KVM switch lets you flip the switch and now suddenly you are looking at a different computer. You were looking at one computer, you flip the switch, now you're looking at the other one. So this is kind of like that, but a little different in that it lets either, well, you know, multiple computers uh, be use the same keyboard and mouse. So for example, my desktop right now, I have two different laptops 
and I have ShareMouse running on both of them. And what it does is over the network, as opposed to having a physical cable connecting the two, over my wireless network connection, I can seamlessly switch back and forth. So my second laptop acts like a second screen for my primary laptop. And it, but it's not really like if I open up a copy of Microsoft Outlook on one machine, it's still only running on that one machine. But what's nice is, for example, I can run Microsoft Outlook on one machine and I can run QuickBooks on the other machine and I can seamlessly switch back and forth between the two without having to take my hands off my keyboard and mouse and physically transplant them to the other device. So it's pretty slick. Um, I was using Synergy but I got kind of dissatisfied with the, the product uh, some time ago, and I switched over to ShareMouse. And uh, after a bit of a rocky start, it has definitely stabilized, and I'm pretty happy with it. So if you have a couple of computers, like if you have two machines at your desk, or if you regularly have a desktop and maybe a laptop and you need to be using both at the same time, uh, this is a really neat, and they're fairly cheap. I don't remember what ShareMouse costs, but it's, it's, it's cheap. Synergy, I believe, is still free, but they lobby pretty heavily for you to buy a support contract with them. And I think ShareMouse actually has a free version that you can use. It, it, it's either a trial or it's a restricted version down to like maybe just two computers and two screens. But um, I recommend them both. If you if you're ever have to use like multiple computers for an extended period of time in the same location, definitely check out ShareMouse and or Synergy. How much did you say it cost? Um, I or don't didn't. remember. I didn't actually, um, <laughs> but I can find out very quickly, and I can include that in the show notes. All Looks right. like it's uh, nineteen ninety five for a year's maintenance on the uh, standard edition on okay. ShareMouse. Uh huh. Yeah, and the, the I don't know what the uh, I'm looking at the difference between the standard and the pro. The pro is. Fifty dollars for that's a year. the one I bought. It, it okay. essentially allows you to install and run on more computers simultaneously. Okay, gotcha. yes, I see that. It's two for the standard and nine for the uh, for the pro for the number of computers and the number of monitors is two and sixteen respectively. Right, okay. and since my so I have at this moment I have two laptops on my desk and two external displays connected. So I t I have four displays counting against my license right now and if i was to grab my other laptop and put it on my desk i would have five displays so that's why i went up to the pro version what's the latency under wireless sometimes it's a little bit of a lag sometimes there's a little bit of a lag i would suspect an average user probably wouldn't care too much about it uh, a power user or someone who's really nitpicky about stuff it'll drive you nuts However, when I switch to hardlined Ethernet, I notice almost no lag at all. In fact, I, most times I don't notice any lag. Uh, this is probably a geeky question, but are they talking to each other directly or are they going through the cloud to communicate? Direct. It's a direct connection. Okay. Well, that's cool. And one of the nice things, I don't know about Synergy, I'm not sure, but I do know that um, ShareMouse supports encryption. And um, both of them would have a facility so that they would, um, you'd have to set up which machines you wanted to connect to, like by IP address. ShareMouse has a discovery, an auto discovery feature. So it'll just like broadcast across your whole uh, subnet to f try to find other clients. Um, I turned that off. 
and, <laughs> yeah. and I enable encryption and I enable a password. So it's only trying to connect to my, you know, designated other machines. Because what what used to happen is um, back when I was in my uh, my Vermont office, um, I owned the building where I had both my um, my office and an apartment. And I would have ShareMouse paired with my desktop PC uh, two stories down from my apartment. I would get upstairs, plop down on the couch, open up my laptop, and accidentally wander the cursor off to the side of the screen. (laughs) And suddenly I had no mouse cursor and none of my keystrokes were doing anything. And little did I know that my machine downstairs, two stories down in my office, was processing all of my key key clicks and the mouse was moving around randomly. <laughs> that became very annoying. So I enabled the um, you must be holding down the control key to switch anything feature. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, don't don't automatically switch monitors when I'm not expecting it because it's really annoying. <laughs> so uh, just to hit on a, a point you made, the uh, Synergy does support encryption. So okay. it does do yep. that. Um, but Is that's that only available with the paid version. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. See, um, like and I it, said, I haven't I haven't been using Synergy for for some time now. Oh, I, and I haven't used it since it was open source, mm-hmm. um, which has been many many years ago. Yep. Um, but it's it's added stuff that it didn't used to have that both ShareMouse and Synergy both do, like uh, shared clipboard and right. drag and drop files back and forth. That's that's really slick. Yep. And I haven't actually used the drag and drop files. I do use the shared clipboard more often. Um, I use it accidentally, uh, which <laughs> is annoying. Uh, you know, I like copy something, and and uh, for whatever reason, the copy or the paste command doesn't reg- register. So I end up copying and pasting something from the other computer. Or what'll happen is. Uh, like I connect computer A. Computer A has something on its clipboard because I copied something to it from some time ago. I connect to computer B, and then I start doing something, and I think that I have something in computer B's clipboard, but I end up with computer A's clipboard, and I paste that contents, and I'm like, what the heck is you know? It's like all of a sudden I have a a page full of encrypted gibberish or web <laughs> log files when I was expecting you know an email address to show up. <laughs> Like how the heck? Huh. So, yeah, I've had, well, I've had uh, issues with that with log me in. Uh, mm-hmm. Same. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And we've talked about log me in and remote access software on the podcast before, correct? Yes. Yes. Yes, we did. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I had... can't tell you what episode it was. <laughs> I had a. Uh, a uh, printer redirect on one of my laptops one time, mm-hmm. which I, I promptly turned printer redirecting off. Uh, it shouldn't have been on anyway, but I had a, a client was on their terminal server and I was on their terminal server helping them print something. And then all of a sudden they click print and it starts coming out in the copier in the other client office that I'm in. Oops. <laughs> oh. I'm like, what the, how did, <laughs> What? <laughs> you know, what's going on here? This looks like client A stuff. What? <laughs> yes. yeah. And then they, uh, then of course, then they say, "I printed." There's something going on. I printed something, and it never came out. I'm like, 
Uh, yeah, it came out. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll mail that right over to you. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. Curti- you'll, we'll get that report to you real sh- real soon now, courtesy of the USPS. <laughs> 48 cents. 48 cents what a weeks. bargain. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I think that probably wraps us up for the day, you think, Peter? I think that uh, it's pretty rappy. Pretty rappy. Well, this was good. This was good. We didn't we didn't get in the weeds. Well, I mean, it is a podcast, but I mean, we didn't we, we didn't stay there. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 wandered into the weeds. Some of our less technical less technical listeners might have gotten lost. Some of our more technical listeners may have gotten atta- entertained or annoyed. But, uh, you know, that happens. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I think we're ready for a. Uh, for another weekend i am totally ready for this weekend i am absolutely ready for the weekend no question all right yep. i'm Definitely gonna need a weekend well i i uh i'm going to go smoke a cigar i've got a uh oh. <laughs> i've got well cao used to be in nashville and then they got bought out by somewhere else. But I still liked cao cigars when i smoked one and so i've been getting them well uh Crowned Heads is actually the team of CAO people who went and started their own company after CAO got bought out. And I happen to have picked them up as a potential client. And uh, so now I got to try one of their cigars since I I didn't know it was them. <laughs> awesome sauce. Yeah. So I don't smoke. One of these cig- days, Adam, I'm going to have to do the podcast from your office. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, Peter will just be out of luck, but, uh, we're going to have to do a cigar and craft beer episode. <laughs> I will join you on the craft beer. If we, you know, if we arrange for what we're doing ahead of time, you guys can keep the cigar smoke to yourself. <laughs> well, I'm guessing Elizabeth's going to make us do that out on the deck anyway. So yeah, uh, I, uh, I, I was renovating, well, I'm still renovating my basement, as you can see. But in an earlier stage of renovation, um, I was smoking a cigar down here because I was, you know, I was under renovation and everything. And uh, Elizabeth came home and she's like, the house smells awful. <laughs> I was like, like, yeah, I guess I can never smoke a cigar, even in the basement. Because <laughs> yeah. it did, you know, I... I I probably smoke a half a dozen cigars per year, you know, so it's not, it's not like I really, it was hard for me to give that up. (laughs) Like, yeah, I have no cigars in the house, (laughs) but yeah, we'd have to be on the deck. We'll get a heater. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, gentlemen, pleasure again, as always. Ken, Mm -hmm. uh, glad to have you back as a uh, semi-regular guest. Well, uh, thank you much. I think think we might need to keep this up. Uh, We also have a couple of other guests from uh, my neck of the woods planned coming up soon. So, uh, dear listener, please keep listening. And, uh, Ken, you will probably like one, I'm sure, when uh, when my friend Kurt is on an upcoming episode. We're going to, I'm sure we will touch on, if not delve into... Uh, guns and gun control and all kinds of other fun topics that uh, you, that I'm sure you will enjoy listening to. Oh, oh wow! I'll have to I'll have to double up on my uh, blood pressure medication for that episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, he's he's a uh, he's a former ranger and uh, a gunnut. And um, back a month or two ago, when Mara Healy decided to reinterpret the law here in Massachusetts as to what an assault weapon or a copycat weapon was, uh, he was one of the people who was in line to make sure he could get his second or third AR-15 at the time before they banned them. As a proper American should have. <laughs> you, you, there you go. <laughs> so, all right. On that note, I'm going to uh, let you guys roll. I'm going to call it a weekend, and uh, thanks for uh, recording. Yes, sir. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye. <laughs> Big red button. To contact either us or our guests, visit BlurringTheLinesPodcast.com. If you like what you're hearing, do us a solid and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review in iTunes, Google Play Store, or wherever you found us. <laughs>